Hi, my name is June from Eastern Europe, and I never listen to I doubt wisdom or but everybody here knows that Britney is the best part. That's it, Daniel, guys. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show, episode 387 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, back after a week hiatus, oddly enough, because of my lovely and talented, and in the case of her absence, scholarly, Brittany Page. I'm back. You are back. You were in the ATL. I was. In Atlanta. And I don't think we really talked about it on the show. It just kind of became a surprise thing that ended up happening well i spaced it that you were leaving so i had planned to do a show Mm -hmm. on wednesday evening or thursday morning and uh i would have been rolling solo because you were gone yes (laughs) so it's kind of my fault we didn't talk about it. and how would you have felt about that doing a show alone no way like like a rush limbaugh situation not uh just sitting in here talking to yourself pissed off yelling that's normal sitting alone talking to myself pissed off yeah but I, I don't have the chops to be doing a show myself. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a skill set above and beyond the talents of Jesse D. Yeah, I, I could not imagine doing that. That would be very difficult. But I'm happy to be back. Atlanta was fantastic. I loved it. You've never been there before. I had never been there before. Um, my skin has been very dry. <laughs> and upon, when I, Upon your return. Well, I'm just saying in general. But then when I went to Atlanta, <laughs> my problem was cured. And then as soon as I landed back in Orange County, it happened again. So I feel like I need to go live somewhere else. It's like as soon as you got off the plane, someone threw like medicated baby powder in your face or whatever that goodies or whatever. Yeah. Everyone was looking at me. Just suck the moisture right out. Everyone was looking at me as I walked through the airport. And once I looked in the mirror, I realized why. Because of the the dry skin. It looked like a bad situation. (laughs) But So um, tell everybody what you were doing in Atlanta at... uh, SPSP. So SPSP is the Society for Personality and Social Psychology. And I was there presenting my poster for my master's thesis, uh, the data from my master's thesis. And this is like an annual conference. Yeah. Like we went to the one in Austin. Mm -hmm. And then last year, I think was here in Long Beach. I don't remember. San Antonio, maybe. I have no idea. And then... One of those, and then this one was in Atlanta. Yeah, and yeah. You, you, so you you have a poster which kind of congeals all of your research from your thesis mm-hmm. into it, it's a massive poster. It's like four by six feet. Yeah, in right? fact, it was too big for the board, um, <laughs> which was a mistake. I thought the board would be the size that they said it would be, and, and not at all. Pretty big, huh? Or pretty small compared to? Well, I don't know what happened. So you put the this your poster, which was printed on fabric, mm-hmm. which by the way mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it wasn't shitty at all. Right. Like when you said they were going to print it on fabric, I thought there's no way that's going to turn out well. It was fantastic, and it turned out crisp and awesome. Yeah, very beautiful. 
And so you sit there with your poster mm-hmm. pinned to this like cubicle wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, oh, that's from the pictures because uh-huh. I wasn't there. Uh-huh. And uh, people come up and ask you questions, maybe grill you a little bit. Mm-hmm. People who are curious about your particular research. Yeah. And it was pretty busy. So I was chatting there a while. And the research is about um, basically the differences in moral values between atheists, deists, and theists, because atheists are viewed as um, immoral and they cannot be trusted, according to the vast majority of people in society. So I looked at the differences in their moral values. You got to hang out a little bit with Peas. Yeah, I did. Dave Pizarro from Very Bad Wizards. Yeah, I got to meet a lot of really great people. Um, it was really exciting. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put a link to the poster. So oh, that's that a good idea. Whoever wants to read it can read it. Um, and Go I'm- download Brittany's poster. We'll put it in the show notes, in fact. And uh, Brittany, put it in the... Since we're doing the YouTube live right now, um, you can go ahead and put that in the in the in the... In the chat there, too. Uh-huh. In the, in the. In the, in the. Um, but yeah, so I, I went with Clayton, who, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know who he is. Um, my lifelong best friend since kindergarten. Kindergarten. We were each other's first kiss, and we joke that that made him gay, because he's gay. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, whenever we meet new people, we, we always have to go through the, the, the stories that have connected us through our life. And that's one of them. And then also him sleeping with my prom date is another one. Um, that was a great time. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) we we don't have to regale the audience with all the, yeah, well, all the history, but, and I think they should know it is sorted and it is funny as well. I, I, yeah, well, it wasn't at the time, but we can reflect on it and laugh now. So, uh, I went with him and we had some interesting experiences as soon as we got off the plane, the airport just started right away. Yeah. The airport is a disaster, but there we were waiting for our lift and this woman was wearing like six inch heels, bright red heels. It's not really relevant to the story, but uh, she could hardly walk and it looked like she was, you know, going to fall over and she was on her phone and she was screaming into her phone about what an asshole this person was. And she was asking, where are you, asshole? And like a lover's quarrel. No, she was talking to her Lyft driver <laughs> and we continued to watch this situation while she's on the phone and the lift car that she was trying to find the asshole in her words was right in front of her directly in front of her. Hmm. And so he gets out of the car and she realizes that that's him. And uh, Clayton says, (laughs) is this your first time using lift to the woman? (laughs) Um, But the Who, who does that? Well, it gets worse. Okay. The driver gets out of the car. He opens the trunk and starts yelling about how rude everybody is. And he picks up her luggage and throws it so hard in the trunk that the car like goes down. And then she gets in the back seat and slams the car door. And then he gets in the driver's seat and slams the door. So it was like a lover's quarrel. It, it was. I would have never gotten in that car after speaking like that to the Lyft driver. And then him throwing the luggage in the car like that. You might end up murdered. Yeah, I he'll mean, just drive off a bridge or something. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what you're dealing with, and she she just felt comfortable enough treating someone like that, and then like, yes, take me where I need to go, sir. Was she some uppity white lady? Um, 
Yes. Hmm. I would say that that is a correct <laughs> assessment. <laughs> um, also, when I was leaving the airport, the TSA woman um, was yelling at everyone about how stupid they were. This is on your way out of Atlanta. Yes. So it was like 4.30 in the morning or 5 at this point. And she was talking. She was seriously yelling at the people in front of her saying, why are why are we all so hard headed? We're adults. We should be able to follow simple directions. Wow. It was really aggressive. And no one said anything. They were all just sitting there being shamed well, by this woman. <laughs> you can't, I mean, that's the problem with the TSA situation yeah, like, like that. Yeah, I mean, well, if you want to get detained and then delayed your flight, they can right. fuck you all up. Right. You know, you really have no choice but to just sit there indignantly and take the abuse. Yeah. So I don't think the screening process is all that <laughs> high for TSA. I, I mean, I, look, I've seen a lot of great TSA people who are friendly and I have. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's a shocker. I know. Okay. <laughs> but I've also seen some terrible, very comfortable in their jobs. Clearly there's not a mechanism to shit can those people because they wouldn't <laughs> be acting like that to the general public all the time. Yeah. It was very weird. Um, so I had two weird airport experiences, but overall it was good. And like I said, met some awesome people at SPSP, um, had fun with my poster presentation. Um, it was a good time. Awesome. Yeah. And then while you were gone mm-hmm. or the day before you, you flew back in, um, we got a gift to the P.O. Box. Yeah. Which is P.O. Box 15822. Newport Beach, California, nine two six five nine. Just in case someone sends something, yeah. it doesn't doesn't duplicate this gift. Yeah. Although I was shocked and actually a little emotional mm-hmm. when we got this oh, because good. we have an awesome audience. We got sent this Brittany Page, which is a, a, an anvil, a nine pound anvil. You know, I like that. Objects that double as weapons, along with a quill. Yeah. A functional real quill that came with ink. Nice. Because of Statesmith. Because yeah. the logo is the quill going into the into the anvil. So yeah. I don't know who sent it. I have an idea. But thank you so much. That is awesome. And you need to contact us because in shipping, the quill kind of got fucked up. And so we need to send it back and get a new one. Um, which won't cost anybody any money. It's just a return process. But we need to get that figured out because it is beautiful. And I want to feature it in the offices of Statesmith, where we are right now, um, right away. Because mm-hmm. I think it's unbelievably thoughtful. I would have never, I mean, had I thought of it, should I would have bought the, the, the damn thing mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's cool. Yeah. But we just have beautiful listeners who are thoughtful and. Uh, very kind. Just r- really awesome. Yeah. So thank you very much. Whoever you are, please do contact us via Twitter or the Facebook page or I doubt it at dollamore.com. We'd like to personally thank you. So it was again, like I was saying earlier, the week from hell. Donald <laughs> Trump has once again proved that he is the eternal provider of insane news cycles. This week was no different. But before we get there, I want to talk about some things relative to listener communication. We got a lot of voicemails, we got a lot of emails, 
And this week, because of all the insanity and all the craziness, a lot of those emails and voicemails were related to this week. We're going to skip those because we're still talking about the gun problem in America. We're still talking about the need for immediate gun reform. Immediate, because we haven't been doing anything about it year after year after year, and we are well past due time to to stop the slaughter of innocents, the massacres of our children in their schools, because if there is no motivating force you know, if if dead and almost five, six hundred dead or wounded in Las Vegas didn't spark some legislation to stop this, hopefully there's enough love and concern for innocent children in schools to do so. So let's get to some of those voicemails and emails before anything else. Actually, I take that back now that I'm looking at the list. There is one that's not gun related. Let's... Let's start with that, because the gun thing is such a heavy topic. Um, This is a little lighter hearted. Hey, guys, John from Ohio here. Uh, Wanted to talk about a couple of things. First of all, Jesse, uh, you said you were a loud, aggressive teenager in high school. (laughs) I cannot believe that, sir. I'm having a real hard time. You know, uh, uh, correlating that with who you are now, I, I can't see that happening. Uh, secondly, um, a couple episodes ago, Jesse, you were saying that you were feeling a little sick. I got a little tip for you. I, I thought about this because uh, that same episode, I think, or maybe the next episode you talked about, uh, a bunch of different uh, drops came up uh, with like the awkward drop. And I thought, you know, what if Jesse just said, God damn and all right. And, uh, you know, all his other phrases and uh, put them all as drops and just had Brittany do the show when Jesse's too sick to do it. I think that would be perfect. And I'm not so sure anybody would be able to tell the difference. And actually, one of the drops you can record as soon as you're done playing my voicemail is, how dare you, sir? Anywho, (laughs) you guys have fun. Love the show. Uh, You guys both rock. Thanks. So did that give us new drops? No, that did give us new drops. There's no need for us to record a new drop when... How dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you, sir? Do you say that? You say that all the time. Oh, okay. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot. I, I mean, I may say it, but I'm copying you when I do. Well, I appreciate you owning up to that. <laughs> owning up to copying? Yes. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> you. So anyway, uh, thank you, John, for all the advice. I love... I love uh, suggestions. Yeah. Idea guys. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things. <laughs> Idea guys? Yeah, It's a joke. In certain situations, maybe. <laughs> but well, generally... Uh... Generally not, because usually when people give... I realize he's actually... joking here. Yeah. I, it's always an actually guy. Yeah. You say something. Like, actually. <laughs> All right. Just shut it. Yeah. We get it. Ugh. Jesse anyway, feels passionate about John, that. John, thank you for the voicemail. We appreciate it very much. Um, now on to the topic of guns. Hey guys, Dan from Oceanside. Been a while and I'm catching up on episodes I've missed. But you're talking about uh, Wayne LaPierre's speech at CPAC and how, oh, we don't want people getting interviewed and how you know they're dragging their feet with any kind of regulation that would have any more kind of vetting or a 
you know, additional screening for purchasing firearms. Specifically between private parties, they seem to have an issue with anything related to that. My wife and I just bought a used car from a family member and getting the car smog checked, you know, they have to go through and do like a, you know, some kind of safety inspection. They go through and, you know, like getting the title changed. Like that's a couple DMV appointments and, you know, like going to a service center. There's like a lot of work to transfer the ownership of a car, let alone, obviously you were talking about licensing and stuff and, and insurance to drive it. But it seems like Every car has a VIN number the same way every gun has a serial number, and that should be in a government database. So when you transfer ownership, if someone were to use that gun in a commission of a crime, they can at least have a paper trail to follow to start putting the pieces together. I don't understand why this is like such a hard concept. It seems like the initial steps, I I mean, I'm for more drastic measures, but it seems like even the initial steps are have been laid out with the way we treat prescriptions and cars and home sales. I mean, there's always, there's paper trails. These things are important. There should be some kind of uh, process to go through uh, that makes sure the right things are ending up with the right people. And we we don't have a, a back door in which felons can get guns and untraceable amounts of guns for that matter. Anyways, guys, Love show as usual. Seems pretty cut and dry to me. Hopefully, most Americans are with us. Uh, and They seem to be, at least. Thank you, Dan, for the call. Uh, this is an inexplicably just blind, this weird blind spot that America has relative to guns. Mm-hmm. And as I've said before, I am not for um, disallowing ownership of weapons. I, if you want to own a shotgun, you want to own a handgun, I don't have a problem with that. You want to own a, a rifle, you, that's fine. I have a, a particular problem with assault and assault-style weapons, especially the AR-15. I said it, I've said it before. I've said it on the show. When I was in the Marine Corps, you carry your, your, your average rifleman service weapon is the M16A2 service rifle. M16. The A1 was the fully automatic version. The M16A2 has a three-round burst. And regular semi-automatic action. The the AR-15 doesn't have the three-round burst. It just is a semi-automatic. But everything else is the same. Everything else about the weapon is the same. It is not a defensive weapon. To say that it's for self-defense is uh, ignorant or uninformed. Well, like I said, it's ignorant or disingenuous or misleading. It is not a self-defense weapon. In fact, it's it's not it's not even practical as a, as a, a weapon of self-defense. So that, that that doesn't fly. The other points that he's making are awesome because we have VIN numbers. You look up the government can look up a VIN number and know who owns that vehicle if that's still on the lot of a car dealership. If that is in someone's driveway, they know that. And because of the NRA and their political ability to pressure congressmen and women who are pro-gun, who are anti-gun reform, they have made it so the Congress does not allow by law 
the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms to keep digital records of weapon ownership. Everything's on paper, and some of the records they keep expire, and they have to destroy those records after a certain amount of time. It, it, it's not looking forward to progress. It is meant to stifle the, the, the research of, which we're not even allowed to do. The CDC can't even do research on gun. It's, it's a goddamn joke. It is, it is, uh, it's counterproductive to solving the very serious problems that we have, and they do it falsely in the name of civil liberty, but all they're doing is giving ammunition, no pun intended, to groups who do not give a shit about piles of dead kids. So we have an email on this issue as well, and it's quite long, Tim. So I'm going to start reading it. And at some point I might just get tired. All right. And stop. (laughs) All right. We'll see how it goes. Good morning, Jesse and Brittany. Apparently it was morning when he wrote this. I wanted to take some time to send a quick message due to recent topics and the insanity that is the current political climate. To give some backstory, I am a gun owner living in rural upstate New York. I listen to NPR. I think for myself and agree in some ways with Democrats and in some ways, parenthetically, less with Republicans. People should make up their minds on accurate information, not just sticking with a party agenda. Politics shouldn't be comparable to a gang culture, but sadly, this is where we are now. I think it is obvious that the current members of the Republican Party are putting party above country, their refusal to even acknowledge a troubling administration after spending the last eight years in obstruction mode really can't be understated. In a recent episode, I heard Jesse state that it wasn't until the mass shooting in Las Vegas that his view on civilian ownership of the AR-15 should be much more limited. That's right. And it wasn't until that statement that I realized that I have been moving in that direction myself. From Jesse's view to John Oliver's segment on police militarization to the general feeling that everyday uses don't require high power firearms. Just because a person can afford one, does that mean they should have one? Doing some light masochism, I visited the website for the NRA for the first time, and it wasn't long before I found an article entitled 10 Reasons to Own an AR-15, written by some idiot named Mark Chestnut. (laughs) It is an editorial... Oh, I liked him. It it is an editorial (laughs) that contradicts its own arguments in nearly every quote-unquote reason. After stating that rifles are, quote, seldom used in a crime, and stating the fact that AR-15s are not weapons of war... What? Mr. Chestnut's first reason is the same worn-out excuse, self-defense. It is such a stupid reason that it makes my ears bleed. An AR-15, either a 5.56 or a .22, there we go, is... (laughs) I don't know about guns. Yeah, that's also for, for, for my YouTube trolls who tell me how woefully out of touch and uh, not having any understanding of guns. They think I'm like Rachel Maddow, who uses the word automatic weapon interchangeably for semi-automatic. Piss off. Continue. Is is designed to penetrate a steel plate or a steel helmet. Just the ammunition is a contradiction to, quote, not being a weapon of war. Furthermore, if you use this weapon against someone, you are breaking out of the most important rules of gun safety. Know your target and what is beyond it. 
Sure, that round miraculously might be a defensive tool and take down someone breaking into your home, not a death penalty crime, but that is not my point here. But after that round travels then out of the body, sounds cold just calling it a living, breathing human being a body because people don't die like instantaneously like in the movies. That round continues until it strikes whatever was behind it. Another bedroom, another home, another person until that energy is spent. The round that a rifle fires is not a self-defense round. In short, there is over-penetration. That round isn't just going to stop at what you are looking at. Jesse's devil dog training can probably speak more to this and I am probably not using the correct terminology. Also, if it is in an episode I missed, I apologized. I just started listening to the podcast after watching Jesse's ugly mug on YouTube for a long time. <laughs> you go to the range to shoot. You go to the range and handgun training is max 50 feet. Anything more than that is pointless for a handgun and likely not a threat worth drawing your sidearm. Distances worth training are 10 to 20 feet. Draw, warn, fire if necessary. Side to side glances to break tunnel vision. Reholster when there is no longer a threat. Call then wait for the cops if this wasn't possible beforehand. Uh, New York has a, quote, weak castle doctrine in that you must seek to find an exit or path of escape before you can take lethal action. But this is all a tangent. Tim, really? It, it is a tangent. But he, uh, he's right about this. Let's wrap. Let's wrap. OK, you want me to stop or you want me to keep going? Well, read, read the last paragraph where he wraps it up. OK. The NRA. Sorry, Tim. Just—it's going to be an enormous show no, this, tonight. No, this is a good lesson in how this is a voice memo. Yeah, this yeah. should have been a voice memo, yeah. sir. <laughs> the NRA self-defense BS line about AR-15s. BS. The second reason is really the only one that I can contradict. Fun slash recreation. Going to the range and emptying some magazines. Nothing wrong there. But the article continues speaking about educational uses of the AR in hunting. Again, I call BS. There are lower capacity rifles that can be and are suited for hunting than quote unquote tinkering. I didn't really consider that because a person likes to put a scope sling or a pistol grip on an AR that wasn't objectively okay it goes on and on um so he says he has some work to do this morning but he wanted to encourage both of us to keep up the great work and that our content is being listened to and enjoyed thank you tim cutting it short is not uh an indication of us not appreciating the 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 email no it's just seriously this is this might be a two-hour show because of all the shit we have to get to so thank you for the for the email and you bring up valid valid points that apparently I just stepped the, on the dick of because I I just went on a rant about how it's not a self defense weapon so, so sorry about that the, not to get into how the sausage is made but of all the emails Brittany decides which ones get played of all the voicemails I decide on those okay that's not true because I sometimes hmm. am told what to do in terms of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate the email. Let's move on to another voicemail. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is Laura from Buffalo, New York. Um, there's just a point I wanted to bring up and maybe talk about with you guys about the arming teachers argument. Um My best friend, Nicole, is a teacher here in uh, Niagara County at a facility that has live-in students that are problem children from 
places that, you know, they were kicked out of public high schools. Um, they have emotional problems. They were abused as children, stuff like that, that are handled by the state. Um, and she deals with a lot of scary stuff on a daily basis. And, you know, one point that I kept thinking about listening to Donald Trump talk about all these adept teachers having guns is that who's going to pay for those guns to arm these adept teachers? Who is going to pay for their licenses? Who's going to pay for the training, the extra training that they're going to have? Who's going to pay for that? Because I know as well as anybody else that most teachers don't get paid nearly as much as they deserve or that they should. And most teachers are spending a lot of their own money buying classroom supplies and things for their kids just so their kids can have a good education and the tools that they need because the state can't afford to give schools the amount of money that they need for textbooks and, you know, things that they need in the classroom that they should not have to pay for themselves. So who's going to pay for these guns for these teachers that are going to be armed? Who's going to pay for the training that they need? It just seems ridiculous to me. It's like we're already asking these teachers to, like you said in that last episode, live their job. And, you know, they spend all their own money doing all this own stuff. And now we're going to ask them to also have a gun and be armed and they have to pay for all this extra training. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I love you both. I love the show. Thank you for moving the conversation forward. Uh, I hope you guys are having a great week. Bye. <laughs> um, Bye. All of those were great points. And I think one of the fantastic things that came out of this stupid talking point um, was all the teachers tweeting about it and sharing their own personal experience with the yeah. lack of resources in their own schools. There were teachers that I saw that said that they have um, school counselors that only come once a week. They have nurses that come once a week. Yeah. So if a kid gets sick four out of those five days that that nurse is not there, what do they do? That's right. If a, a child is in crisis and they don't have a school counselor on site for four out of those five days, what are they supposed to do? Right. And the reason they don't have a school counselor on site for those days isn't because, ah, fuck it, we don't need it. It's because they don't have the money to do so. Right, and, and all of... There's a massive funding problem here. Yeah, and so it comes down to what's more important. I mean, is it important that schools have enough funding to have a nurse every single day, to have a school counselor every single day? Or do we need to make all teachers like Jason Bourne? Is that the priority? Right. Well, let's, uh, ask, let's ask Betsy DeVos. What would she say? Oh, yeah, you betcha. Yeah. Well, well her concern would be the bears. <laughs> the grizzly bears. <laughs> right? The, listen, it is a problem that people don't give enough uh, enough thought to is the problem of grizzly bears attacking the schools willy-nilly. Yeah. I mean, the week before the Parkland massacre, mm -hmm. there was a bear attack. And had there been a cop there, yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. Is this fake news? Of course it's fake news. Okay, because I didn't hear about that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a busy, rich area. It's in the city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a bear attack. Laura, thank you for the call. Uh, next voicemail. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Mitch. This is regarding Trump's 
uh, scene at CPAC about arming teachers. It brought up a lot of questions to me, whether or not, like, uh, like, will there be age limits, restrictions? What about, like, teachers? Like, teacher assistants or subs, will they get guns? Where are the guns be stored? Will, will there be survivor's benefits? What penalties will be if someone mishandles a weapon? Who will be liable if a weapon is stolen? I mean, this just... This is one of the few dozen questions that I really have about this whole situation. And, like, goddamn, man. <laughs> How could you possibly think that this is the appropriate way to do it? Last time I checked, if you want to put a fire out, you don't just put more fire on it. You don't just make it burn hotter. <sighs> I'm really worried about the state of our country right now. I'm worrying for the kids, and I really hope that some people will start... Like using some goddamn sense. I could not agree more. In fact, along with this voicemail was also an email, a second email from Mitch. And he wasn't kidding about a few dozen questions. There are a lot of questions that he poses that really, well, it's twofold. One, it's these questions need to be answered. and But then also it shows the lack of planning you know, you can't make policy by tweet. Donald Trump with his transgender military ban that was just out of the blue. And then also arming teachers. There is no planning behind it. There hasn't been any any research. There hasn't been any congressional hearings interviewing people who would be experts on this matter. Some of the questions that he poses that I think are super valid would be who's responsible for the, for the lifetime mental health care if a teacher does shoot a suspect? Because it's if a teacher kills a kid, even if that kid is a guilty party who needed to be put down because of of putting people in danger, that's going to fuck a teacher up. These aren't steely-eyed warriors. These are teachers. You take someone's life, even if it was justified, PTSD. Who's going to pay for that? Is there going to be survivor benefits kind of a deal? I'll go through these very quickly. Will the teachers go through military tra tra training and how to learn... Uh, the active shooting drills, will there be age limits, health restrictions, eyesight restrictions, medication restrictions, and who's going to oversee this? What about substitutes, teacher assistants, uh, which teachers get guns, where will the guns be stored, are they going to be on a sidearm? That's a problem. Intimidation of students, students who are terrified of guns, are they going to have to be subject to that? Or is it going to be in a locker, in a safe? Um... Who, who, who will audit the adherence to the different regulations? Will students know which teachers have weapons? Who will be liable if a teacher with a gun becomes the shooter? What will the consequences be when students are accidentally shot by a teacher? We just had in, in Georgia this week, this past week, a, a, a teacher discharged a firearm on school grounds. Wasn't it the one who locked themselves in their classroom? Yes. Is that the one? Yes. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a really great plan. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm going to do is, because there seriously are dozens of questions here. Uh, I am going to put this on on the on the on the Facebook page. All of the, this entire list of questions. Uh, who will pay for counsel and civil litigation? Will there be different survivors benefits for armed and unarmed teachers? What if ar armed teachers brandishes or discharges her weapon to stop a fight? Just a fight. What happens when armed teachers refer to their weapons in class? 
There really are an amazing amount of questions that need to be answered. We can't jump the gun and just say that, well, just arm them because it viscerally makes people feel good or it makes people feel safe or it tickles the, the NRA in that special place because that means hundreds of thousands of guns more are going to be sold because don't kid yourself. The NRA is not a, it's not a, a marksmanship club. It's a lobby group for gun manufacturers. They don't represent Americans and their civil rights. They represent gun manufacturers to bolster their profits and their coffers. So we have another email from John in Cincinnati, and it's also about guns. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. It's been a while. First, I wanted to check in with you guys and thank you for continuing to provide thoughtful content through your own personal good and bad days, through the public highs and lows of our country and culture that chip away at the collective morale at times, and for maintaining your dignity and integrity despite what levels those who disagree with us may be willing to plunge to. In this Trump era, your decency is your wealth. Don't let anyone rob you for it. Wow. I'm going to ask an open that is awesome. I'm going to ask an open rhetorical question of which I haven't been able to get someone to provide a satisfactory answer to. What makes the argument for gun control and ownership restrictions so much more contentious than drug laws in this country? What I mean by that is why is it so much easier for the American populace to accept the restriction the government p- puts on drugs and opiates than it is for us to accept the potential restrictions we seek to put on guns? We understand that there are certain drugs that are so toxic and deadly that it's irresponsible for us to make them legal. Even from the libertarian perspective, no one is making the counter argument for the legalization of all drugs on even individual liberty, regardless of the probable outcome. We all accept that certain drug usage will inherently lead to incidental outcomes with possible collateral damage. Why do we lack this same nuance with respect to guns? We accept the greater good argument when the subject is drugs, but not guns. What's your guys' take? Is there an angle I'm not considering? I would say it's the Second Amendment. I was going to say that too. That it's yeah. that you don't have a fundamental right to to opioids. Yeah, you don't have a constitutionally protected right to have Ativan or what are some other you know. Uh, hydrocodone, mm-hmm. where it is written into the Constitution, rather clumsily written. Don't kid yourself. The Second Amendment is a poorly written amendment. It is, it is one sentence, even though it should probably be two or three sentences. It's broken up by commas, and I believe the founders did this on purpose because they weren't stupid men. They were unbelievably well-trained and well-read and uh, educated and knew how to write. Um, there was a reason why I believe they wrote it so shittily. <laughs> Perfect. So I, I think that's the difference. I, I don't know if you're over, not overlooking, if you're overlooking that or not, or if you just didn't include it in the email, but that, that's the fundamental difference here that we're fighting against this. Mm-hmm. If this wasn't in the constitution, we wouldn't have the culture that we have because everyone feels, you know, you just as strongly as you feel about your your constitutional right to free speech. These people believe that they have a constitutional right to the AR-15, which is ridiculous because no one's bitching about not having a right to a fully automatic weapon. No one's bitching about a 21-year uh, requirement that you have to be 21 to buy a handgun. But because you want to make that same level, 
for the AR-15, people are losing their goddamn minds. Mm-hmm. We the, the the courts have found the, the the Supreme Court has found they have ruled that limits can be placed on what kind of weapons you can own. There isn't a constitutional allowance that gives you carte blanche to own, you know, an AT uh, an anti tank rocket, an RPG. No one's bitching about that. They only bitch about this because after the assault weapons ban went out, sunsetted, everybody went out and bought goddamn AR-15s. Thank you for the email. We appreciate it very much. All right. Um, The other thing that happened this week related to guns was something that if you don't watch Fox News, you might not know about. There's a kid who went on Fox News, good old Fox News, and really exposed their lax journalistic standards, I believe. The story is so weird to me. Tucker Carlson had this kid on, I can't think of his name, something Hob, H-A-A-B, Brandon Hob, maybe, um... And he claimed that after, he claimed after the, the uh, town hall that they had about guns, that CNN had tried to give him, to feed him questions. And Tucker Carlson had him on. We're going to play a little bit of the interview, but I'll probably get sick of it and turn it off. But I want to give you a flavor of how Fox News dealt with this. And in the wake of it, after they had to retract and correct and apologize, uh, we're going to talk about it. Colton Hobb joins us tonight. Colton, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. And before we get into anything, I just want to um, make sure that everybody hasn't forgotten why we are actually here tonight. I mean, we lost 17 lives last week. And yes. I actually physically put two to rest. And to me, that was the hardest thing in the world to endure. I mean, nobody should have to go through this. So as long as we're taking the right steps to move forward from this and make sure that this doesn't happen again, I'm all for that. Well, we certainly haven't forgotten. Thank you for reminding us yet again. And we think that the only way to make the country better and maybe put a dent in this scourge is to have a rational, thoughtful conversation about what to do next. And with that in mind, you were planning to go to this event last night. And tell me if I'm mischaracterizing any of this. And you sent in, at the the request of a CNN producer, you sent in... Uh, a number of questions, a statements that you wanted to make, questions that you wanted to ask of the politicians on the stage. And they rewrote one of your questions? Is that right? Yes, sir. So what had, um, what had happened was, is four days ago, I um, had gotten contacted by a lady named Carrie Stevenson from CNN. She um, had asked me originally to just write a speech. It was going to be at the town hall at the BB&T Center. So I agreed. Um, I felt like it would be the right thing to do, um, be able to go speak my part, as well as um, open eyes to a few things that I thought that could make this situation a little better. Um, from there, three days ago, so the next day after that, we had gotten, um, I got an email back from her, and she asked for more of questions rather than a speech which I was totally fine with, so I wrote a little less of a speech and more of questions that I wanted to ask at the town hall. Um, the day after that, it was more of just questions. She asked for just questions that I would like to ask. So I um, gave her my questions, and then yesterday, at about 5.15, I made contact with her, 
and she had asked um, if I had just asked her one question. So what they had actually done was wrote out a question for me because in my interview with CNN, I had talked about arming the teachers if they were willing to arm themselves in the school to carry on campus. And they had, um, she had taken that of what I had briefed on and actually uh, wrote that question out for me. So I have that question here if you'd like me to ask it for you. Well, but I just want to make sure I have this straight. So you sent them a long, in effect, essay on what you thought, but they they put yes, their sir. own words in the question, and they weren't the same as the words you had sent in. They were the producer's words. Absolutely, they had taken what I had wrote and what I had briefed on and talked about, and they actually wrote the question for me. We're going to end it there. Two minutes left. We're going to stop it. This kid and his parents are fucking liars. Ultimately, is what happened. This is not what happened. Uh, what happened is the, the, the father, we're going to blame the father because this is a kid, a liar, but a kid. Oh, maybe. Uh... <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. So, Colton Hobb and his father, what they did was they took out a line that put everything in context out of this email when they provided it to Fox. And Fox didn't do their due diligence until afterward to ask CNN about it. So here's basically what happened. Um the kid proposed several questions to ask at the town hall, one of which included a question about whether or not arming teachers would be a possible solution. That's right. His father is a Republican gun, gun owner, and he later emailed Stevenson, that CNN employee, a four-page document with a roughly 700-word speech and a series of questions he wanted this kid to ask. Okay? Come it's, on. It's too much. It's like Tim emailing the show. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> wow. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, Tim. We love you. Um, so this CNN employee said that's way too long. That's enough. Uh, and that he would and that the kid would need to stick to the question, quote, that he submitted. OK, that's the key part that he submitted. And so th- that he submitted was removed from the email. And then the dad started shopping it around to conservative media outlets to the question, period. Stick to the question, meaning right. stick to the question we sent you when he left out your original question. Right. Stick to it. Right. And so he's saying that this was unintentional, but that that doesn't really fit with what you just heard in that right. interview, because what he was saying there uh, painted a pretty clear picture that they wrote the question for him, told him what to say, right? Yeah. And this is just a weird thing to do when... Especially in the in the wake of a tragedy like especially this. Especially how connected he is to the tragedy. Yeah. Um, Talk I, about politicizing something. They're trying to paint a narrative that CNN... Oh, look at CNN. Liberals. Try, they're lying to support... It's the, 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 the means justifying whatever the end would be. Yeah, I... I again I'm just so confused by this. I don't understand why someone would do this when they have just gone through this tragedy. Yeah. That they want to use it to try to discredit CNN. That's just very strange to go out of your way and take the time to do that. And after they did this 17 all week. people just died. Fox News all week. 
Of course they did. Dragged this kid out in his R- junior ROTC uniform with his ribbons and his his little curly cube shoulder thing. His army bullshit. Sorry, everybody. Uh, and they, they dragged him out. Jesse Waters. Um, who's the one who took over for B- Bill O'Reilly? Tucker Carlson. No, L- Laura Ingram. Oh. Yeah, eventually she did, I guess. Um, it's This was a Fox News thing. The morning show. Let's get Colton on. He can shit on CNN. But they don't actually do any follow-up on it. Here is... Here's Tucker Carlson apologizing, retracting, but not taking any responsibility. I guess he doesn't apologize. It's a correction or a retraction. We've got an update on that gun control rally that CNN held last week. After the event, a high school student called Colton Hobb claimed that CNN tried to give him a scripted question to ask on camera. Colton came on this show last week on Thursday to tell his story. CNN denied the account. Now, Colton and his parents sent us their email correspondence with CNN, which seemed to confirm Colton's claim that his question had been altered by a CNN producer. On Friday, we asked CNN to verify and comment on those emails because that was our journalistic duty. So we did it. A short time before air, CNN provided us a different set of emails. We immediately asked the Hobbs about those. They said they were being slandered by CNN. And that's where it stood. Two sides telling contradictory stories. Without access to their email accounts, we could only guess which one was telling the truth, and guessing is not enough. Tonight oh. we have more. We have an <laughs> it, oh, it's not? The Hobb family concedes that they did remove a line from one of their emails in a way that might make some think its meaning had changed. Colton's father says it was accidental. We don't know. We can't prove or disprove that. But for the sake of honesty and full disclosure to which we are committed, we have to tell you there is no evidence as of right now that CNN tried to give Colton Hobb a scripted question. And we wanted you to know that. Fuck you, Tucker Carlson. There's all kinds of shit to unpack here. First of all, Thursday the kid comes on. The next day they ask CNN. They don't try to, like, get the details Prior to Colton coming on, like, hey, listen, we have a kid coming on. We want your response to this story. Mm-hmm. We want to we wanna get you on the record. Mm-hmm. No, they run with the story because it fits their narrative. It's awesome for ratings. Then the next day they ask CNN for a statement. That's not j- journalistic standards. Mm-hmm. That's not due diligence. Right. And then the other thing is, well, you know, who, who can tell? It's one, one word against the other a respected journalistic organization who we should probably be providing a professional courtesy to, or the hillbillies. The Hobb family. The kid shows up in his green utility t-shirt like he's in the army or something. Yikes. I'm not going to play the disclaimer again. All right, it just it continues. It just fuck them. They're liars. And, 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 and Fox News has given them a platform to lie. Mm-hmm. To do what is a terrible thing surrounding the massacre of 17 people. Yeah, I I would still, I would fit with what you tried to say originally, (laughs) which is like leave the kid out of it because he's a kid. Um, You know, he's 17 and he, he, it's very likely that he needs to defer to what his parents are telling him to do. And I was in the Marine Corps with kids who were 17. I understand that. But um, I, I think it's, it's hard you know, I mean, I don't know. You're I, probably right. I'm it's just liars, liars. OK, we'll just call the dad a dirty, filthy fucking liar. Fuck that guy. 
So in ad- <laughs> in addition to that, um, <laughs> I have a Jesse Water clip too. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, Jesse Waters also had to comment, and I will say that Tucker Carlson did a better job than Jesse Waters did of giving a correction. Even though one of the things that Tucker Carlson said that pissed me off, and if you're done ranting, can I talk about it? Yes, ma'am. He said that this is um, one one side. Uh, versus another side and there's no way to prove who's right and we can't guess who's right right well well, you did guess who's right because you spent the whole day talking about this situation so you did choose a side you did guess which side was right and you went with the one that you wanted to be true so that that's a problem for the journalistic standards and integrity that you're talking about that you went with the side that you wanted to be true rather than waiting to get more information to figure out what was actually true that's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. Here's Jesse Waters in his fewer than 60 second bullshit on Waters World. That's all for us tonight. And just one more thing. Last week we told you about reports that CNN may have scripted questions for a town hall. Now the father, one of the students making that accusation, has since said he accidentally removed a line from the CNN emails. Some say that may have changed its meeting. Just want to let you know. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Justice with Judge Janine is next. And remember, I'm Waters, and this is my world. I'm Waters, and this is my world, everybody. What, what Good is, times had by all the wacky morning zoo, Jesse Waters. What is that exit music I have that no he idea. has on his show? I don't know. That is not appealing to the, <laughs> the people that are watching right. his show. I'm very confused. I said fewer than 60 seconds. It was actually more like 15 seconds he dedicated. Well, also, most of that was like weird rap music at the end and <laughs> that doesn't fit with his show and his little line that he says. So, yeah, you can't do this. You can't spend... Countless hours spreading misinformation, indoctrinating people with this fake information. All week they went with this. And then just a little tiny footnote on your way out the door of Waters World, um, you you give this little quote-unquote correction. No. He's Waters and this is his world. I almost want them to spend as much time talking about how they messed up as they did spreading the false information. Just use the ticker at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. As just one constant correction the whole day, nothing else. Yeah, well, we fucked up. We put liars on the air. Well, and you know, we didn't back up the information. We didn't do checks. You know what happens when CNN messes up? They Fo- own it. Fo- no, Fox News talks about it oh, for days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk about it for days. Days. So is that is that what CNN should do to Fox News? They should be talking about this for days, or do they not have time to do that because they have other things to talk about? And they just want Fox News to do the right thing. They're doing real journalism. And look, CNN is not beyond reproach. They make their mistakes. They for sure drop the ball. They fuck up. There's all kinds of issues I have with CNN. However, on a day-to-day basis, they're doing a good job. They just are doing a good job. There are production elements I don't like. But from a journalistic standpoint, they've got winners over there. They have journalists over there who respect their craft, who respect the rules of the game. And Fox News just uh, isn't filled to the brim with professionals. We'll just say that. All right. Moving on.
Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. Jason. Jason. Carrie. Carrie. And Wilfredo. Wilfredo. All upped their pledge. They've increased their pledge on Patreon. You guys are awesome. Yes. And now I do not how to know how to pronounce this name of the, the newest Patreon supporter. Do you know? Juana? Juana. June Ju- Junoa. Junoa. What is, how, let me see it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you knew. No, I don't know. Junoa. Okay. Genoa. Genoa, thank you very much. Thank I think, you very I think much. Is that it? I thought there was one more. No. Is that it? All right. Yeah. If we left somebody out, we will figure it out and talk about it on the next episode. That is. But apparently not. The only one that I thank see. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your loyalty to the show. We appreciate your help in producing the show, helping move the, the, the conversation forward episode after episode. If you'd like to, of course, dollamore.com slash Patreon. We would love to have you on board to take part in our monthly Google Hangout calls that we do. We do two a month. They are awesome. They're a good time. Laughs are had. Drinks are had. It is truly a community that we're building here. The other thing is if you like I Dot It With Dollamore merchandise, like tote bags, like t-shirts, like a coffee mug... Go to dollamore.info. There you can buy the swag. It's a good time. If you want to buy swag that is not Dollamore related and you shop on Amazon, yes. go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. You can buy all of the quality crap that you can get your hands on. Mm-hmm. If you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not help your favorite show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comment? That would be us. You don't spend any more and you're helping us out. We love, we appreciate you guys, and we would not be here without you. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So here we are. 50 plus minutes into the show. Into the program. And uh, just get to Dollamocracy. This was a huge, insane week, even by Donald Trump standards, even by standards that have been set by this administration over the course of the past year. And we're going to do something a little different here than we normally do. We're going to cover it because we missed our midweek show mm-hmm. because of Brittany. I blame Brittany. It's probably the first time it's because of me. <laughs> So all the other times it's been because of you. Wow. Yeah. That is. Because I never get sick because I'm a germaphobe and I, that's it. (laughs) Well, we're going to go chronologically through this week. Mm -hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know how it goes. You you know the rest. Oh. Do do you know the rest? I mean, I think I'm getting stuck (laughs) where you left off there, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Monday was an insane day. Trump gave his his speech to the governors mm-hmm. and of course talked about that he indeed like Brittany Page talks about he thinks he is Jason Bourne. 
Yeah. He thinks he was going to charge into the school unarmed mm-hmm. to take on the shooter. Yeah. <laughs> he knows the rest of the crowd of governors would do the same thing. Yeah. I know I'm 71. I know I'm six foot three and 248. Yeah, right. Pounds. I'm going to go in there and be a goddamn hero. I want to know if Donald Trump has ever punched someone in the face. I mean, I'm just curious if he's ever been in a fight. I think his son has been punched like right in the chin, like really hard because it like indented his chin. By like a Donald Trump sized hand. Is that what you're. (laughs) You mean (laughs) like his chin is a marshmallow and the little indentation is from a tiny fist. Well, I'm just trying to figure out what you're saying. (laughs) uh... He's like a chinless freak. Okay. More, more, more disclaimer. No, it's fine. All right. uh, I understand what you're saying now. Um, yeah, I. It's just Donald Trump acts like a tough guy, but yeah. he acts like a tough guy that has never actually been in a fight. Because um, there's a difference, you know, tough guys who know that they're tough guys yeah. don't really have to talk about it or act like that. They just they are. That's right. And Donald Trump is constantly having to talk about how big his dick is, how big his hands are. Well, also, it, you're seven. When are you going to give up being a tough guy at some point? Even tough guys have to not be tough. Arnold Schwarzenegger's not talking about what a badass he is. Yeah, it's, it's the end he, of the road. You're an old man, dude. You're 71 years old. You're not intimidating anybody. If you come upon a teenager with an AR-15... He's going to fucking kill you, man. He's not going to, oh my God, I got to get, I got to beat feet. I got to get out. It's not what kids say, but I got to get out of here. Here comes Donald Trump. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Here he is talking to governors. Seriously. President of the United States. Today, I want to hear your ideas on a number of critical issues. But most importantly, we want to discuss the public safety in schools and public safety generally. But school safety, we can't have this go on. I'm grateful that Governor Rick Scott is here and we thank him for his leadership in the aftermath of the terrible tragedy in Parkland, Florida. Horrible. Our nation is heartbroken. We continue to mourn the loss of so many precious, innocent young lives. These are incredible people. I visited a lot of them. But we'll turn a lot of our grief into action. We have to have action. We don't have any action. It happens. A week goes by. Let's keep talking. Another week goes by. We keep talking. Two months go by. All of a sudden, everybody's off to the next subject. Then when it happens again, everybody's angry. And let's start talking again. We got we to gotta stop. By the way, bump stocks, we're writing that out. I'm writing that out myself. I don't care if Congress does it or not. I'm writing it out myself, okay? Those are Democrat guys. You put it into the machine gun category, which is what it is. It becomes essentially a machine gun, and nobody's going to be able. It's going to be very hard to get them. So we're writing out bump stocks. But we have to take steps to harden our schools so that they're less vulnerable to attack. This includes allowing well-trained and certified school personnel to carry concealed firearm. It's, at some point, you need volume. Now, I don't know that a school is going to be able to hire 100 security guards that are armed. Plus, you know, I got to watch some deputy sheriffs performing this weekend. They weren't exactly uh, Medal of Honor winners, all right? The way they performed was, frankly, disgusting. 
They were listening to what was going on. The one in particular, he was then, he was early. Then you had three others that probably a similar deal a little bit later, but a similar kind of a thing. You know, I really believe, you don't know until you test it, but I think I, I really believe I'd run in there even if I didn't have a weapon. And I think most of the people in this room would have done that too, because I know most of you. But the way they performed was, was really a disgrace. I swear to God. So <laughs> Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, was asked about this at the press briefing. Of course she was. And she said he didn't mean it like that. <laughs> he meant he would provide leadership. Yes. He would run in and lead that shit up. He would be a leader. He mm-hmm. would go in and, excuse me, son, I think you're, 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 you've been led astray. I need to provide some leadership in this situation. Right. He said, I would have gone in there even if I was unarmed, I would have gone in there. Mm-hmm. Come on. Again, another liar. Yeah. Well, again, I think that Donald Trump thinks about a lot of things as though they're not um, real, like their movies, like the Invisible Jet. What are yeah. other examples of him acting like things are from the movies? I don't know. He just, it's like things aren't real for him. I don't think he understands things. Well, when you've never actually gone through a trial or a tribulation. Mm-hmm especially physically when has this guy have ever been put in danger like you said he's never been punched in the face he's never faced actual physical violence i know guys like this mm-hmm. who've never been in a fight and it's not a bad thing it's what it is mm-hmm. but i mean it's probably a good thing honestly. Yeah, well, of course it is but yeah. i mean when you look at fighting just from tv shows you've seen mm-hmm. and and you, you use this metaphor i think it's beautiful that you use it because if you've ever been actually punched in the face, it doesn't just make that sound and then, oh, I'm going to continue fighting. And fights don't last 25 minutes. Yeah. Like on, <laughs> like on karate movies. Yeah. Fights, are they last seven, eight seconds. Mm-hmm. Also, people can die yes. in five seconds. So for him to act like he's just going to march right in there, like you say, like Jason Bourne. Right. Come on. Well, I think he was he was um, equally enamored with that one scene in Jason Bourne that I was, where he grabs the book off the shelf and puts it against the guy's head and then punches the book. I was like, yes! I don't remember This that. is great. I, it, I really remember it. I only really um, remember the one where the pen went jamming into the guy's hand. I don't, I don't remember and that at all. And they continued to fight with the pen jammed out into his hand. That sounds horrific. It was not a good look. Yeah. yeah it was kind of a bummer. Donald Trump is like me when I was younger and I would get out of watching a Fast and Furious movie and get in my 88 Honda Prelude and act like I was drifting <laughs> in the parking lot. Was this the same Honda Prelude that at one point couldn't get out of second gear? That is correct. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, let's let's talk about what a ninja. Don't judge that car. Donald Trump is. Let's let's talk about what a steely-eyed, blood-sucking warrior Donald Trump is. Mm-hmm. The the man who dodged the draft 5 times yet thinks he's some kind of an you know, warrior. Yes. An aggressive. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> I can't even do it. Mm-hmm. Here he is on Howard Stern several years back talking about an occurrence that happened while at Mar-a-Lago when an old man fell and hit his head and started to bleed. This tells you how brave, how selfless. The, the warrior mercenary, Donald Trump. So you have all these really rich people, 
And a man, about 80 years old, very wealthy man, a lot of people didn't like him, he fell off the stage. So what happens is this guy falls off right on his face, hits his head, and I thought he died. And you know what I did? I said, oh, my God, that's disgusting, and I turned away. Right. I couldn't, you know, he was right in front of me. I turned away. I didn't want to touch him. <laughs> no, the Marines, he's bleeding all over the place. I felt terribly. You know, beautiful marble floor. It didn't look so good. It changed color. It became very red. And you have this poor guy, 80 years old, laying on the floor, unconscious, and all of the rich people are turning away. Oh, my God, this is terrible. This is disgusting. And, you know, they're turning away. Nobody wants to help the guy. His wife is screaming. She's right. sitting right next to him. She's screaming. What happens is... These ten Marines from the back of the room, they were so far back, you know, it's a huge ballroom. Oh, they come running forward, they grab them, they put the blood all over the place, it's all over their uniforms, they're taking it, they're swipe. They ran them out, they created a stretcher, they call it a human stretcher, right. where they put with their, their arms, arms out, yes. like five guys on each side. They ran them out, I never saw it, they ran like... You would like, never do that. Do I was that. saying, you get that blood hands. cleaned up, it's disgusting. Right. I forgot to call the next half. I forgot to call to say, is he okay? <laughs> he, he was okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just not my thing. It's not his thing, Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. It's not his thing. Yeah, this makes me dislike um, Howard Stern and Robin Quivers. I, I guess they have to be entertainers and they have to laugh along with this story. And maybe they're even trying to egg him on to... Um, tell these terrible stories because it's good for their show and good for ratings and good entertainment um but what the hell is wrong with donald trump and 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 this is another thing for the people that want to say that he you know is like different than he has been no he's just always been like this he when he talked about the rich people were turning away Yeah, yeah you know that's him he he understands that mindset he is someone who has been taken care of his whole life silver spoon and it's difficult for him to be a helpful person yeah because he's always been helped and taken care of his and, whole and life. had his ass pampered so yes. you know I, I mean and i realized when i said this last time people said well i know rich people that you know are super nice yeah i get it great that exists um (laughs) he's not one of them yeah he's not one of them and i think that growing up in this environment can can do that to you where you become a little out of touch with with certain things that go on and i i don't know it's just disturbing to laugh at a story about your inaction in a terrible situation well especially when years later you're going to act like you would have been some kind of a a machine just barging right in through hails of gunfire, unarmed, mm-hmm. to take take on a situation. Just shut up. Shut up. Shut your mouth. You're a liar. You're a coward and a liar. Well, we're still on Monday. Here's another thing that happened Monday. Is Ivanka Trump was representing the United States of America at the Olympics. Not as an Olympian, but as a representative of the White House. As a representative of the President of the United States. And during an interview, a journalist asked her a question about the president of the United States and some of the accusations that have been leveled against him by women. And uh, this is how that went down. Do you believe your father's accusers? I think it's a pretty inappropriate question to ask a daughter if she believes um, the accusers of her father when he's affirmatively stated that there's no truth to it. I don't think that's a question you would ask many other daughters. 
I believe my father. I know my father. So I, I think I have that right as a daughter um, to uh, believe my father. So, of course, this has already been talked about, but she wants to have her cake and eat it, too. Yeah, she does. She wants to be a daughter when the questions are tough, but then she wants to be going to the Olympics, representing the United States, talking to leaders of other countries about important issues. So Taking her father's seat at the G7 or whatever it right. was that time. So which is it? Are you just a daughter Oh, you're just a daughter. Or are you handling business in the White House? Right. And representing the United States abroad? Because Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for all her terribleness, and there's a lot of terribleness there, she doesn't get to say, well, I'm just a friend of the president. that's That's very inappropriate. You know I'm his friend. You don't get to do that. Right. When you're a, an official representative of the White House, mm-hmm. you answer the questions. And you're yeah. going to get questions like that, especially when we have a sexual fucking predator in the White House. Mm-hmm. Goddamn. So uh, Tuesday rolls on us. And again, Ivanka and Jared, uh, they were in the news all week. Yeah. Tuesday, it came out. That uh, Jared Kushner lost his top secret clearance. Mm-hmm. No longer has an interim top secret clearance because he never had a full top secret clearance. Now he has an interim secret clearance. We begin with some breaking news. Presidential son-in-law and senior advisor Jared Kushner has had his security clearance significantly downgraded, sources tell CNN. The downgrade will prevent Kushner from viewing the nation's most sensitive secrets, and it comes after new rules were implemented by Chief of Staff John Kelly in the wake of the botched handling of the Rob Porter spousal abuse scandal. I want to get right to CNN's Jeff Zeleny at the White House. And and Jeff, uh, what is the news and what is the White House saying about it? Well, Jake, we are learning this afternoon. Our team is reporting here that uh, the uh, threat, essentially, and the new action that White House Chief of Staff John Kelly said he would take indeed has been taking effect now. And that, of course, applies to a variety of officials here at the White House who have had temporary security access, top secret access. That is now being changed. Of course, leading among them, first among them, is Jared Kushner, of course, a senior advisor to the president, as well as the president's son-in-law. He has been operating under a temporary top secret security clearance since the first days of the administration. He has learned in recent weeks that his uh, his permanent clearance is not coming anytime soon because of questions about his background. Um, you know, he, of course, has been um, at the center of some of the inquiry that uh, Robert uh, Mueller has been, been uh, leading. So this is going to be delaying that. But, uh, Jake, it's unclear exactly how this will impact his job. He is a senior advisor to the president who had a very wide portfolio, particularly dealing in Middle East peace, who needs top secret access to go through all of this it, Um, if he's going to be effective here. So he, I am told by another person familiar with this, has not asked the president to intervene in this. He has not asked the president for a special dispensation, if you will, is going to be treated the same as any other White House official. Now, we saw the president on Friday uh, here at the White House. He said that this would be left up to the White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly. He said that uh, Jared Kushner is doing a great job, but it's left up to John Kelly. So, Jake, as it looks like right now, Jared Kushner is losing his top-secret security clearance. It certainly changes his role here in the White House, even though 
uh, people close to him, as well as his uh, lawyer, has said he'll still be able to do his work, the same work, but Jake, it is entirely different not having that top-secret security clearance. This is a big deal because Jared Kushner was tasked with, among other things, peace in the Middle East, dealing with the opioid crisis, which was then shuffled off to Kellyanne Conway, uh, infrastructure, so many things, many, many diplomatic uh, items were put in Jared Kushner's plate. Mm -hmm. And without a top-secret security clearance... There, he's not gonna, he's not gonna be able to do any of that. That is the least of our worries. That which I just said. The other thing that should worry all of us is why is it taking this long to get him approved for a security clearance? It's because the FBI has found something in his background that troubles them enough to not sign off. It's likely financial. But we're not to that day in the week yet, so we can't talk about that. Oh, a little suspense. That's right. Mm. You got to wait for it. Mm. The other thing that I want you guys to know, it's really the difference between a top secret and a secret clearance. I've talked very briefly about it, that I had a top secret clearance in the Marine Corps. But when I had a secret clearance in the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. it when I first got it, I think I said this last episode, I thought, oh my God, oh, I can't wait to get my my eyes on this juicy secret information. Aliens. Yeah. And it was, like I said last time, it was shit that I could have read in an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. It was not salacious. It was not secret. Yeah. It was not awesome. Yeah. Uh, no sexiness there at all. But here are some of the differences. And this is from John Kirby on CNN with uh, Wolf Blitzer, or as, uh, what's the guy's name? I always want to call him Black Walnut, because that's his nickname. I don't remember. <laughs> it's such a bummer. I can picture call him in him my Blitz. head. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> here, here's here's, uh, here's uh, uh, Admiral Kirby t- describing to Blitz what the difference between a top secret and a secret Herman clearance. Cain. Herman Cain, that's right. To get a better understanding as to what this downgraded uh, security clearance means for Jared Kushner and his work in the White House, I want to bring in our military and diplomatic analyst, uh, retired Rear Admiral John Kerr, or Kirby. Uh, you, you've had a top secret security clearance over at the State Department at the Pentagon. Walk us through the difference between uh, what Kushner had, an interim top secret SCI, secure compartmented information security clearance, as opposed to what he has now, an interim secret security clearance. Sure thing, Wolf. And it's important to remember that there are three levels of security clearance in the U.S. government, confidential, secret, and top secret. What we're going to do is kind of break down the differences between top secret and secret. It's also important to also remember that it's not just your clearance that matters, uh, whether you get access to information and material. It's whether there's a need to know, whether you actually have to have it to do your job. So with that, let's take a look. Top secret's the highest level of clearance, most sensitive information. If it's disclosed, it could cause exceptionally grave damage to national security. That's the two big, uh, big, big elements right there. Next. 
It's the most rigid storage and handling and access protocol. So if you're going to have access to top secret, that kind of material is really going to be carefully safeguarded from the time it's created to the time it's destroyed. And the clearance must be reinvestigated every single five years. Again, owing to the highest sensitivity of that information, Wolf. On the secret side, this is information that if it's disclosed, could cause serious damage to national security as opposed to top secret, which exceptionally grave damage to national security. There's going to be less detailed information with respect to secret material. It's not going to go into the sources and methods. It's not really going to lay out where all this information comes from and the context behind it. Um, You're not going to have access to the president's full daily briefing. And I use the word full deliberately, Wolf, because there's going to be articles and material in the presidential daily briefing that will be at the secret level that Mr. Kushner would be able to see. But he's not going to be able to see all of it. And that clearance is going to be reinvestigated now every 10 years, again, because the material under a security clearance isn't quite as sensitive as it is under the top secret. Now, that goes very rapidly through some of the details, but the, the, the main important things that Jared Kushner needs to know to do that bevy of assignments that was given to him by Donald Trump, he doesn't have anymore. Effectively, he has an encyclopedia to make decisions that are going to have worldwide effect. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he chose the best people. <laughs> he definitely chose the best people. So the other thing that happened on Tuesday was Rick Gates cooperating with Robert Mueller, mm-hmm. and many of the charges against him were apparently dropped because of his uh, cooperation. Yeah, so I think it's important to note that none of the charges in the Manafort and Gates indictments are about Russia. Not they, yet. They're tied to they're tied to political consulting and lobbying work that they did in the Ukraine. Um, Which is still Russia related. Right. But this is significant because of Rick Gates, his his position in the Trump administration. Yes. Which was the deputy campaign chairman. That's right. And he had a role in the transition as well. Right. So it's not clear what he can offer to Robert Mueller. But because of what he was doing in the campaign at that time, he might have information about what was going on between Russia. Because he's being cut a deal, Mm -hmm. Robert Mueller knows what he can offer Robert Mueller. Just because we don't know and the media doesn't know doesn't mean I would say this as a layman. If he's being cut a deal and they're dropping a, a, a litany of charges, there's something he's getting. Robert Mueller's not going to give something for nothing. Mm-hmm. There's something that he's going to get in return, and it's going to be worth those dropping of the charges. Right. Well, the people who know more than me have been saying that this puts additional pressure on Manafort. For sure. And Because he know- Manafort knows what Gates knows. Yes. And he doesn't want that. I mean, he's, he's going to want to cut a deal giving someone above him up for a better deal. Right. So, so far, Robert Mueller has charged 19 people, which includes the 13 Russians who were indicted. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, with with Gates's guilty plea, he now has five guilty pleas. Wow. So, that, that's in nine months. We're still on Tuesday, by the way. The other thing <laughs> that happened on Tuesday was Hope Hicks, the communications director for the White House. <laughs> she testified and refused to answer any questions about being in the administration. Didn't necessarily say that she claimed executive privilege or the pre- the president was claiming executive privilege, but she did what Bannon did. Many of the headlines you saw said that she Bannoned 
the committee. Well, one of the things she did say to the committee that was that she does tell white lies on behalf of the president of the United States, which means she lies for the president. Mm-hmm. She admitted to lying for the president. Yeah. Well, she actually said her work with President Trump had required her to occasionally tell white lies. Lies. Mm-hmm. After she consulted with her lawyers, she insisted that she had not lied about matters material to the investigation Mm, into mm -hmm. Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election and possible links to Trump associates, according to three. You've got to be quicker than that. According to three people familiar with her testimony. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) apparently when she got back to the White House, she got a, a little bit of a tongue lashing. Yeah. From the president. Yeah, well, the White House is denying this, okay? But they deny it's everything. widely reported from independent sources who source their reporting. It's not like the New York Times reported it, and then all of the subsequent media outlets said, based on the New York Times, everybody kind of got the same information. Yeah, that Donald Trump berated Hope Hicks after her testimony. Well, they um, called her stupid or something. One, wondering how she could be so stupid. Yeah. And apparently that was the last straw. For her. Well, that, thank you, leads us to Wednesday. An hour and 20 into the show, and we're Wednesday. And Hope Hicks up and quits. She's out. She was just named like the most in- influential person within the Trump orbit by some Washington magazine yeah. prior to all of this happening. And I think that's because of the amount of time that she has spent working with him. Yes. And she's al- an old, like a family friend from from farther back than his presidential run. Right. And also that she's always around. So she is always around him, ready for him to call her in and run something by her. Like a security blanket. Yeah. Um, so he always talks things out with Hope Hicks. The not yet 30-year-old woman. Well, I mean, that's Matters fine. of import. That, that's world fine. Import. That's she has fine. a communications degree. She, okay, that's not she's great. She's steeped in, in, in international relations mm-hmm. and economics. She knows all about all this stuff. That's who he goes to. Those are more important qualifications <laughs> than talking about her age. Well, without that, you, you, you don't gain this, this panoply of skill sets and knowledge without years on the job. Right. You want a guy like David Bergen. Right. Not a Hope Hicks. Not even a Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller's not qualified. Mm-hmm. And not be, not because of, of uh, it's his A. You're not, you don't know enough yet. Well, I just think that you could start with the fact that she doesn't have the education for it, the experience. I don't think you need to. I didn't mention she was a model I because don't... that's immaterial. <laughs> No, mention now. No, I could have said that. I could yeah. have said, yeah. well, she, she's a fucking model. Like, yeah. that, that, that's not part okay, of it. Okay, but I understand. Age does matter. No, you started with, he's going and asking a thirty, a, a, an under 30-year-old woman. That's what you started with. You could have started with the communications degree. You could have started with her lack of qualifications, yeah, her lack yeah. of education. Uh, yeah, you're right. All of those things are more relevant than, uh, this 30-year-old woman, what does a woman oh, know? Oh, okay, now it's the woman thing. <laughs> I don't know what accent I was doing. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get out of here. Douche chill. <laughs> We're going to move on. She quit. She's out. Was she still in? No. Oh. No, you didn't quit. You better not goddamn quit. <laughs> uh, Hope Hicks is out. She's out of there. I mean, she's still there, but she's she's soon to be departing. Well, that was uh, that was Wednesday. 
Mm-hmm. Not the only thing that happened on Wednesday, though. Ben Carson, apparently, the, the bastion of conservatism, the bastion of saving money for the American people, the bastion of grain being stored in the Egyptian pyramids, <laughs> Ben Carson, the housing and urban development secretary, who knows nothing about housing or urban development. How old is he? He's less than 30 years old, Brittany. <laughs> oh. He apparently... Straight away to the qualifications on that one. Well, because he's an old man. It doesn't need to be said. It's oh. not unusual. His age is not unusual for that position. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> chill. So, apparently, he wanted his office remodeled when he moved in, and he had a $5,000 budget to remodel his office at the Housing and Urban Development Headquarters. $5,000. They went a little over. They spent $31,000 for a dining room set because, you know, that's a thing. When he was running for president, Ben Carson often criticized wasteful government spending. At one point telling Marketplace that all the spending we're doing, in my opinion, is not legitimate spending in terms of what we actually need to run the government. I don't think it's anywhere near what we're talking about now. Now that he's actually in government, doesn't seem to mind so much. Today we learned the Department of Housing and Urban Development, headed by Ben Carson, spent $31,000 on a new dining room set for Secretary Carson's office, even as the agency's budget calls for $8.8 billion in funding cuts, largely for the poor and the elderly. According to the New York Times, quote, the purchase of the custom hardwood table, chairs, and hutch came a month after a top agency staff member filed a whistleblower complaint charging Mr. Carson's wife, Candy Carson, with pressuring department officials to find money for the expense of redecoration of his offices, even if it meant circumventing the law. Mr. Carson didn't know the table had been purchased, but does not believe the cost was too steep and does not intend to return it, said Rafi Williams, a HUD spokesman. Carson joins the likes of EPA Chief Scott Pruitt, whose office spent almost $25,000 on a secure phone booth, and who says he has to travel first class so that ordinary people won't yell at him about the job he's doing. Interior Department Secretary Ryan Zinke, who was also criticized for his travel in the form of questionable charter flights, and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, who asked to use a government jet for his three-country honeymoon, but was denied. Oh, also, former HHS Secretary Tom Price, who, of course, resigned last September after stories of his extravagant travel costs. So Ben Carson... The responsibility he wants the government to be good stewards of the taxpayer dollars. They're now denying he knew anything about this, but come on. We've also heard all the reports leading up to this that his family is very entrenched in the inner workings of HHS. Mm -hmm. Very clingy. They think it's like a family operation. You can't tell me that his wife didn't have something to do. We already know. She had her hand in remodeling this $31,000 dining set. Get the fuck out of here. In what world is that okay? Well, this is also the same Ben Carson that had a painting commissioned where he <laughs> uh, looks like Jesus or something. No, no, I don't... it's Jesus over his shoulder. Oh, yeah, Jesus over his shoulder. Him That's and right. Jesus yes. hanging out yes. in his house. Mm-hmm. Good times. This just adds more fuel to the fire of the culture of this administration, though, because like like uh, 
like the the anchor there that I can't think of his name because I don't watch MSNBC. Chris. Chris Hayes. Um, Scott Pruitt. I don't. It? I don't watch MSNBC either. I would like to point out. I just know things. You know things, and you're under thirty, so that's <laughs> how wonderful for you. I know it's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit! Apparently, you guys can do things. How did it happen? So Scott Pruitt, the EPA chairman, the administrator for the EPA, is putting in like secure phones, and he was flying home by via uh, government jet on the weekends. To Oklahoma all, every weekend. Ryan Zinke, he's the Interior Secretary. The same kind of shit was going on. Uh, a lot of flack for it. His wife demanding uh, services of government staffers, even though she's not an employee of the government. Shulkin right now, the same kind of thing going on European trips. Having his wife go with him. The government paying for all kinds of crazy shit. Mnuchin wanted to go on his honeymoon all over Europe. Using a government plane. Of course, he was told no. But he also recently went to the, the, the eclipse in, uh, in Fort Knox. Stood on the roof of Fort Knox where the gold is stored. And uh, watched the, the eclipse there. No reason. No Treasury Secretary has visited the, the, the gold at Fort Knox in many, many, many years. But he decided it was the time. Mm. And then, of course... The former disgraced Health and Human Services Secretary, Tom Price, who quit because of this, because of all of the chartered flights, the hundred thousand, the thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in chartered flights when he could have just flown commercial. Yeah, but when are we going to talk about how corrupt the Clintons are? <laughs> I... Her emails, Brittany. Yeah. Those emails, they really, uh, they were, they were something. Mm-hmm. They were something. No good. You know who cares about the emails, Brittany? Robert Mueller? Oh, Trump, oh That guy. I thought we were transitioning and I was going to try to help, but... Were you going to help? What's, uh, what's, what, what day are we on? I don't know. We're on Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday. Let's move to Thursday. Perfect. Donald Trump announced tariffs on steel and aluminum out of the blue. None of his none of his assistants knew, none of his aides knew, none of his cabinet secretaries knew. It was it was out of the blue. The Dow dropped hundreds of points because of this. Because he is igniting a trade war and uh, doesn't think it's a big deal. So Donald Trump tweeted, when a country, parenthetically USA, just so we all know which one we're talking about. <laughs> is losing many billions of dollars on trade with virtually every country it does business with, trade wars are good and easy to win. Example, when we are down $100 billion with a certain country and they get cute, don't trade anymore. We win big. It's easy. Just like healthcare was easy, just like taxes were easy, just like every single thing Donald Trump has tried to do, he said, oh, it's going to be so easy to win. And he doesn't. Mm-hmm. The only thing he's won on so far is taxes, eventually, which wasn't easy, mm-hmm. and Neil Gorsuch, yeah, which was relatively easy because there wasn't a lot of resistance. Yeah, it's like that person that goes on Facebook and is like, um, 
Well, you know, when that person does that thing that you hate and yeah, you know, I'm talking about you and you know, they aren't, they're just vaguely talking about something that irritates them. I think it's called vague booking. Whatever it's called, it's dumb and the president is doing it and it's pretty embarrassing. Yes. So if he could stop, that would be great. So that happened. The Dow crashed, not crashed, but but crashed. (laughs) A little, just a little fender bender. Yeah. You know, the the Dow was almost at 27,000 points, and now it's down 24-something mm-hmm. because of Donald Trump. It lets you know that Donald Trump doesn't have a lot to do with the gains that were made. Mm-hmm. We were set up for those gains. Now, of course, uh, they love no regulation. They love the promises, so that kind of bolsters it. But once he actually starts enacting policy, we see what happens to the Dow Jones. It declines rapidly depressingly the other thing that happened on thursday here we are full circle back with jared kushner Mm -hmm. maybe this has something to do with the fact that his top secret clearance was taken away the white house grapples with another bombshell report involving presidential son-in-law and senior advisor jared kushner the new york times revealing the kushner family business received loans from companies totaling half a billion dollars Amidst Kushner in his capacity as a White House official meeting with the heads of those companies. Joshua Harris, the founder of Apollo Global Management, met with Kushner on multiple occasions beginning in early 2017, three sources told The New York Times. Those sources tell The Times he was advising the administration. According to a CNN source familiar with those conversations, he was also talking about a possible role with the White House. That was discussed, though it was never though it never materialized. In November 2017, after all these meetings, Kushner Companies was given a $184 million loan by Apollo Global Management. Hmm. That loan is three times the size of their average property loan, according to the Times. In addition, Citigroup lent Kushner Companies and one of its partners $325 million for a different project, a loan made last spring, after which Kushner met with Citigroup Chief Executive Michael Corbett. A spokesman for Apollo said the loan went through the standard approval process. Citigroup says its CEO was not involved in the transaction and never discussed it with Jared Kushner. A spokesman for Kushner's attorney told CNN, quote, Mr. Kushner has met with hundreds of business people during the campaign transition and in the administration to hear ideas about improving the American economy. He has had no role in the Kushner companies since joining the government and has taken no part of any business, loans or projects with or for the company's After that, we should note Kushner remains part owner of the company that got the loan from Apollo after he met with the head of Apollo in his official White House capacity. And Jared Kushner owns a stake in the entity that got the loan from Citigroup, after which he met with the CEO of Citigroup in his capacity as a White House official. Now, this report is just the latest calling into question Kushner's ability to function in his position as senior advisor. But sources tell CNN Kushner is planning to stay and the White House reaffirmed that the president wants him to. We don't know whether this is officially why he doesn't have a top secret, an interim top secret clearance anymore. But it could goddamn well be. Half a billion dollars in loans after having met with officials with these different banks. One one of these organizations, the one that gave them the $138 million loan, three times larger than their average loan. 
three times larger than average. That that says something. We don't know. We don't have evidence. But you know who's looking for it? That's Robert Mueller. Well, and this apparently, according to the reporting from the Washington Post, is causing Donald Trump to freak out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And everyone is starting to feel concerned uh, privately <laughs> and telling reporters about it. So according to this article, quote, Trump has been asking people close to him whether they think Kushner or his company has done anything wrong, according to a senior administration official. Two advisors said the president repeatedly tells aides that the Russia investigation will not ensnare him, even as it ensnares others around him. And he thinks and that he thinks the American people are finally starting to conclude that the Democrats, as opposed to his campaign, concluded with the uh, colluded with the Russians. That's also because he only watches Fox News twenty four seven on a goddamn loop. Mm-hmm. He he believes what he's being told by his Fox News overlords. But it's interesting that he would start asking people around him if Kushner or his company has done something wrong. Hmm. Right. Well. Jared Kushner certainly could be working independently trying to make deals and shit. That's one of the problems with having your son-in-law as your chief advisor, one of your uh, senior advisors to the president. That's a problem. But it wasn't just Jared Kushner. It wasn't just the son-in-law. It was also the daughter who turned up this week, again, Ivanka, relative to the FBI investigating one of her deals. One of the company deals that she made in real estate in Vancouver, Canada. Our exclusive new reporting on Ivanka Trump, CNN's Sarah Murray and Shimon Prokopas. Sarah, first to you, a lot of attention has been paid to Jared Kushner's business deals, but now one of his wife's deals is drawing investigators' interest. That's right. We've been learning that U.S. counterintelligence officials are interested in the Trump Hotel uh, and Tower in Vancouver. This is a deal that Ivanka Trump was the point person on. It opened in February of 2017. So it's one of these few sort of Trump-branded businesses that has emerged since Donald Trump became president. And much like these Trump organization deals have worked in the past, they don't own the building. Uh, They just enter into these sort of like licensing and branding agreements with the developer. In this case, the developer happens to be a member of one of Malaysia's wealthiest families. He worked directly with Ivanka Trump as they were trying to make this project happen. And like many of these Trump buildings, it's a it's a combination hotel and tower, which means there are a number of luxury condos and they've attracted a number of foreign buyers. Now, it's not clear exactly why U.S. counterintelligence officials are interested in this deal, if it could be the timing, the proximity to when Donald Trump took office, if it could be the negotiations surrounding this or the flows of foreign money going through it. That much is, just isn't clear yet, Wolf. The other reason, this is a counterintelligence operation, so they could be very worried right now that this particular deal, because they're all fucking willy-nilly all over the globe, making deals, making promises, trying to gain influence because of their positions with the White House, that a counterintelligence operation is likely going on because they have identified a certain country or certain um, wealthy individuals within that country have pinpointed a sensitive area within Ivanka Trump's finances or life that will be causing her problems. She also has an interim top-secret clearance. That is a problem. (laughs) This is why we don't have nepotism in government. This is why it's supposed to be 
uh, done away with. This is this is why it is a problem that Donald Trump's Justice Department loosened the rules for him specifically, for this family. Should be a lesson. We're still on Thursday, folks. The other thing he did was in a meeting with his cabinet officials. And after a moment, when Mike Pence spoke, he asked Mike, ah, what do you think about this, Mike? You got something to say about guns, about gun control, about gun reform? Mike Pence spoke, and then Donald Trump stopped him and said something that conservatives have been screaming about Barack Obama having said, thinking that he was going to do for a year after year after year. Yes, go ahead, Mike. Well, in the category, uh, you, you spoke about this, President, gun violence restraining orders. Uh, they're called, California actually has a version of this. And uh, I think you, in your meeting with governors earlier this week, individually and, and as a group, we spoke about, um, about states taking steps. But the focus is to literally give families and give local law enforcement additional tools if an individual is reported to be a, a potential danger to themselves or others. Allow due process so that no one's rights are trampled, but, but the ability to go to court, obtain an order, and then collect not only the firearms, but any any weapons in the position or of that individual. Or might take the firearms first and then go to court, because that's another system, because a lot of times by the time you go to court, it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures uh, I like taking the guns early, like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida. He had a lot of fires. They saw everything. To go to court would have taken a long time. So you could do exactly what you're saying, but take the guns first, go through due process second. Take the guns first, go through due process second. I think this is another situation where Donald Trump just doesn't understand how things work. Um, kind of like the the meeting that he had where they were praising him showing transparency. What was that about? It feels like it was 100 years ago. Um, where they let the cameras in and they let him see oh, how he yeah. was... It was the meeting about DACA and okay, immigration with exactly. Diane Feinstein. And how he kept changing his mind with every person yeah, that yeah, spoke. Yeah. Someone would say something and he's like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And then someone would say the opposite thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, I really see what you're saying there. He just doesn't know what to do or what his own beliefs are about how things should be done. He's a human jar of Vaseline. He <laughs> bleh, bleh, whatever any pressure that gets applied, it just caves in. Yeah, he doesn't have any original ideas. Uh. And so I think he just says things not really understanding how things work. And that's what you have here. I mean, when he said this, do you think that he knew, oh, I'm articulating something that the NRA will not like? I don't think so. I, I think Did he lot, have that awareness? I think every Republican butthole in that room puckered up. Like, oh, oh no, don't say that. Yeah. Take the guns first. Uh-huh. <laughs> then we'll worry about due process. And the fact that every one of these NRA ding dongs is going on the uh, is going on uh, the news, doing interviews, and not losing their goddamn minds, tells you what the NRA is all about. They're not truly for the amendment. They're not truly for gun rights. They're about the politics of the matter. Because had Obama said this, there would be 
riots in the streets. There, mm-hmm. I mean, there would be taking up arms against the government. There would be militias going crazy. But because it's Donald Trump and he's got an R by his name, he's going to pass. Right. Disgusting. Even Dana Lash went on to talk to Anderson Cooper about it. And would not say they were betrayed by the president. Yeah, she was very calm and collected. And that would not have been the case if Obama said this. If Obama said this, those commercials that they're always putting out with the fire and the the chaos. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, they would have done like an emergency one every hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're, adver- they're probably advertising on this video, the live stream right now. Yeah. NRA is pouring all kinds of money into YouTube advertising right now. Oh, I thought you hadn't heard about that, that they were playing before your videos. Weren't you not aware of it? Uh, I'm aware. Everybody's oh, telling me. Okay. Everyone yeah. is informing me. <laughs> Facebook Messenger, <laughs> YouTube comments, yeah. Twitter. Uh, it's like an emergency situation. I understand. I got it. Lots of screenshots. <laughs> you know what? Fuck them. Let them waste their money. They're not going to convince my audience. Mm-hmm. Let them waste their money. It's fine. That's less money that they get to spend somewhere else where it might be effective. I also don't think you have any control over what ad plays before your video. Not that I know. Yeah, not that I know. And I also think many advertisers don't know where their ads will be going because a bunch of businesses just pulled their ads from Alex Jones's show. They made a big deal about it. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Now, apparently, they're they're giving more controls where it's probably going to debilitate him because many businesses have said, what the fuck? We didn't know yeah. that we're coming on before videos where they talk about crisis actors and shit. We don't yeah. want that. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember what the companies were. The only one I remember is the Mormon church. Uh, no, ads. no, it was it was major ones. I can't remember them either, but it was major companies. I didn't say they weren't major. I said the only one I could remember oh. was the Mormon Church. So uh, I don't know why you're launching into a, a no, no. It was an unnecessary attack. Yeah, we need to correct this fa- fake news. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. So Friday, we're already to Friday. Can oh, you believe God. we're already to Friday? Apparently, H.R. McMaster's, the national (laughs) security uh, advisor to the president of the United States, the fourth national security... Wait, let's see. Flynn. Oh, no. This is the second. So we're going to have three national security advisors inside of a year almost. And uh, that's pretty normal. No. No, that's not. He apparently is on his way out, as well as maybe Gary Cohn, Mm -hmm. the White House economic advisor. Pretty soon, it's just going to be Donald Trump in there, <laughs> right. looking because for some of- Postmates of McDonald's and <laughs> Postmates. I think don't they have a deal with Uber Eats? Ooh, do they? I don't know. I just I know a couple things. <laughs> um, Gary Cohn might be leaving because of the tariff deal that wasn't uh, approved. Hmm. He's out of sync with Donald Trump on this issue. As every conservative, as every liberal is, about free trade. Free Mm -hmm. trade is good for the world. Free trade is good for America. When you say, I'm free trade, but blah, 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 you're not free trade. So that was Friday. Here we are on Saturday. Actually, here we are on Sunday. But Saturday came and Donald Trump said something more alarming than maybe he said his entire presidency. He talked about, and in glowing terms, he talked about 
being president for life and what a great thing that is happening in China. Don't forget, John is great, and she is a great gentleman. He's now president for life. <laughs> So there's multiple elements that need to be talked about here. One is that he's praising an autocrat. He is praising a dictatorial leader in a communist country where the internet is wildly restricted. Where Winnie the Pooh is censored and off limits because people have made jokes that President Xi looks like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> where the, 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 the murder at Tiananmen Square in the 90s in the, early, the late 80s, early 90s, is scrubbed from the internet. Nothing happened. No protesters were run over by tanks and murdered by the Chinese government if you search the internet in China. Mm-hmm. It is a dictatorial state. Yeah. Well, mildly capitalistic, mm-hmm. but dictatorial nonetheless. And Donald Trump, he loses... His jizz over these types of totalitarians. Yeah. I also authoritarians. I love the people who are applauding in the background because Ugh. those are the same people who were terrified that President Obama was not going to leave office, that he was going to try to stay there and right. would not leave when Donald Trump was elected. They're the same people who are now laughing and applauding when Donald Trump says, hey, maybe we'll try to be president forever. How about that? Yeah. Now they're jovial over that. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's disgust. It's antithetical to America. Because it's not just following the law. It's not just appreciating this value, th- this part of our country. It is our guys in power. That's all that matters. And that's, that's disturbing. Yeah. So all of this leads us to, because it was such a chaotic week, Donald Trump's friends... And allies, not detractors, but people who know him, they're worried about him right now. President Trump's allies are deeply worried about him right now. They say he's becoming increasingly isolated. At least one source tells CNN, I'm quoting now, something is very wrong. Uh, CNN's chief political analyst Gloria Borger and CNN political analyst David Gregory are back with us. Uh, Gloria, you wrote an excellent piece on CNN.com, breaking it all down. We've gone through this before, but you say something feels different this time. Well, in talking to some of uh, friends of his who have known him for quite some time, um, they tell me they're worried about it, worried about him because they say this has a different feel. And they say that he is, you know, spiraling, kind of lashing out, out of control. And, um, you know, one source said to me, look, this this has real economic impact, talking about his decision on tariffs, and um, said, you know, something is, is very wrong here. 
because he's blaming everybody else for his problems. He's angry, at, you know, at, at his son-in-law, at General Kelly, at McMaster, everybody else. He's never done anything wrong. And then he confuses people by what side of an issue he's going to be on. You know, one day he's for gun control. The next day he meets with the NRA. He's not for gun control. One day he's for saving dreamers. The next day, not so fast. And um, so the whole thing seems to be just uh, growing a little too chaotic for their Comfort level, and they like Donald Trump. You wrote this uh, sentence that certainly jumped out at me. Not since Richard Nixon started talking to the portraits on the walls of the West Wing has a president seemed so alone against the world. Yeah, I mean, and, and David knows this. Look, he's lost uh, the people in the White House who were closest to him. Keith Schiller was his bodyguard. Hope Hicks is now leaving. Melania is not so happy with him these days after the Stormy Daniels story. There is friction with Jared and Ivanka. So, and Kelly keeps a lot of people from talking to him, keeps them isolated because he wants to keep them on track. I guess that hasn't yeah, worked Yeah, how's so that well. going? Right, not so well. I think that this is also reflected in Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And I don't know if people have noticed this, but my feeling is... You, for a couple weeks, have been noticing the strain and stress on her. Yeah, it's about the last week and a half where things have really gone downhill, where she seems less confident at that podium. The snark is still there, but there's not a lot of weight behind it. It, the snark it, is almost just like a self-defense mechanism at this point. Yeah, and you can just, uh, well, I can. I feel like she's not as into it. And she canceled another press briefing last week. The excuses for canceling the press briefing, not great. Um, and I think you're going to start to see that a little bit more, where, where Raj is going to start coming out more, and they're going to cancel. Raj Patel, the deputy Press right. Thank you. Sorry. And they're going to start canceling them more You're often. You're on a first name basis with Raj. Yeah, <laughs> we are. <laughs> um, because it's it's getting difficult for her to come out and lie, defend all this, act yeah. like everything. That's what it is. It's lying. Act like everything's fine. Act like he's so strong and holding everything together. No. That's not what's going on. She's another one, though. It's a living hell in there. Just tell us what's going on. We want to hear about it. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Mm-hmm. How can you... You're raised by a quote-unquote minister. You is, know what I mean? Is he not a minister? Well, yeah, but I mean, he really, you're really your representative of Jesus Christ, and you, you defend this monster we have in office. I just don't... I don't buy it from, from Sarah Huckabee. At least Jesus Christ blessed him with a wonderful sense of humor. What about her? She's not a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Sarah That's Huckabee. the greatest clip in the She's world. She's not a Christian. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of the program, everybody. Oh. We got one last segment to do. That is it for the week, mm-hmm. oddly enough. Yeah. We will be back on Wednesday evening or Thursday morning. But before we go, we have one last thing to leave you with that is not necessarily politically related. Yes. A little little take care of biz. Taking care of biz. John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, Mm -hmm. who are comedians. Yes. And uh, they seem to be partners on on different uh, co-hosting gigs, but they also have uh, 
some Broadway show that they do where they act like old dudes. Yeah. Oh, hello. I think. Oh, 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 hello. That's what right, I think right, it yeah. is. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. They're, they're, I love John Mulaney. I, I had to warm, warm up to Nick Kroll, mm-hmm. but he's always been funny, but because uh, I liked him on the league. Yeah. I love them both. Uh, <laughs> Not not uh, sure what you're talking about, but they <laughs> they co-hosted the Independent Spirit Awards, which is like a like a Golden Globes, like an Oscars, like a like an Emmys. It's a it's, it's an a, award show. It's an it's, it's another award show. And they did a little bit on the sexual harassment and assault in Hollywood, and it was fantastic. There's some stuff we feel we should address. What a year! Last year, everyone famous died. This year, everyone famous wishes they were dead. Yeah. Look, the rules have changed for men. Some guys are like, what, I can't hug a woman anymore? Not the way you're doing it, pal. All low and breathy, like, hey, it's 1998 somewhere, baby. Uh, Let's name some names. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Harvey Weinstein. Uh, this is a true story. I met Harvey Weinstein once. This was in 2015 for a meeting. Mm-hmm. And he was complaining to me in the meeting that Weinstein TV took up too much of his time. Yeah. And he said, and I quote, Yeah, no one's going to remember my movies. Forget Pulp Fiction. My tombstone is going to say Project Runway. Aw, uh, you don't got to worry anymore, Harvey. It's not going to say Project Runway. <laughs> it's going to say Double XL Unmarked Grave. Sorry. Because he's a fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually have a, I have a quick story as well. Uh, this is also true. It's about, uh, uh, about Brett Ratner, who also went down this year. I, I worked with him on a pilot about nine years ago. Now, for those of you who've had the pleasure of meeting <laughs> Brett Ratner, you might know that he's constantly scratching his balls. <laughs> now... One day on set, he was really going to town on his sad sack. And this was below his Banana Republic boxer briefs, which were kind of curling at the waist. Well, we watched him walk away and walk over to the craft services table, where he then touched six different donuts. Uh. And then he grabbed one and walked away. So I'm thinking, if that's the way the guy treats donuts. (laughs) Now, people keep asking, can you separate the art from the man? Like, with Kevin Spacey, can we still love (laughs) K-Pax? And and what about Woody Allen and his last 20 unwatchable movies? Can can I still not watch them? Or must I reevaluate based on these new allegations that were a matter of public record 30 years ago? Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> why does sad sack make me so happy? Every single time you cackle <laughs> like a psychopath. I've watched this like 10 times today. Just the sad sack part. And it makes me really happy. <laughs> Let me ask, because I think those are true stories they're telling. True yeah. accounts of things they, 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 you know, interactions they've had yeah. with these individuals. Yeah. And whether or not you touch your dick or balls... What? Why do you got to touch the do- multiple donut? If there's a tray of donuts, mm-hmm. you don't have to touch. Yeah, multiple. Do- you you touch the one you want to take. Yes. There's no need to touch a donut. Mm-hmm. That's that's a 
For me, he should be drummed out of Hollywood just for that, because that's fucking gross. Yeah, I don't know what the impulse is there. Maybe he's looking for a certain texture, a certain firmness. You don't need to be finger-fucking every donut. Yeah, I mean, I that is certainly the case. Yeah. Unsanitary, everybody. <laughs> no good. Uh-oh, now who's the germaphobe? All right. You're going to turn into Howard Hughes over here. We're going to leave you as Howard Hughes here. Wow, look at that. <laughs> We love you guys. We appreciate you. This is the end of the program. If you, too, would like to sound off like our earlier callers and emailers, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit or do- at dollamore.com. Not or, but at. You can also email a regular email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Why don't you follow us on Twitter? I am at dollamore, and Brittany is at... Brittany E. Page. The podcast account, which is less important, is at I Doubt It Podcast. And of course, all of those same exact addresses work for Instagram. We would love for you to connect with us on the internet. It would be a good time. Mm-hmm. I guess that's it. Yep. See you next time. We love you. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And this has been I Doubt. How dare you, sir? 